We thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can gather as, as lovers of Jesus Christ. Just in your, just in your own language and with your own words, just, just tell God how much you love Him. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Was a surely for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you, Jesus, that you bemoeienis maak met die mense. We love you, Jesus. Amen. You, you can take your seats. I apologize. I think all of your intercessors and worshipers, you just want to go straight into it. Uh, just quickly want to introduce the team and and just share one scripture with you. So uh, we had a camp in the beginning of the year, and, and one of the, or probably or the main scripture that God gave us was from Ezekiel 22, verse 30, but it's the George Revival translation. Okay, so I'm going to read from the George Revival translation. So it says, I sought for a man or a woman among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that they should not destroy it. And I found a whole city of intercessors and normal believers willing to stand in the gap. Have you heard that translation? Yeah, but that's a translation that's busy realizing in our midst. God's not going to say, I didn't find anybody. He's going to say, hey, I found a whole, whole church, a capital C church within a city that will build a prototype of what heaven on earth will look like in a city, and they will be able to export that into Africa. There's, there's something so real about what's happening here this morning. And uh, I, in a way, f- felt nervous last night because I'm like, Jesus, I don't think I really understand what you're currently doing here in the southern tip of Africa. I know there's some other church leaders here. Where's Yanni? I saw Yanni somewhere. Yanni, there you are. Yanni and... And then we have Herman that's leading the biggest church in George from Georgitistan Psalm. And then some other churches also represented here. But I know there's so many people that have cried out for Jesus and cried out for this revival to happen, this revival that have, that have been prophesied for so long. The southern tip of Africa, the fire will spread all the way up to Cairo and then into, into the world. And it's not, it's not going to start with evangelism. It's not going to start with just reading the word. It's going to start with lovers of Jesus coming together in intercession and taking hold of the promises of God. So I believe what's happening here is just not, a, not the first fruits. This is, there are people that have done this for so long, but really just us gathering together and then also getting our friends in from um, 111 and... Uh, and asking them, say, hey, pour some oil on our fire. And these little fires that are already burning. Because we want to see this realize in our, in our generation. Not for the next generation, in our generation. Amen. So I'm going to call up uh, Murray and then his beautiful wife, Deborah, just to introduce yourself quickly. And then they're going to lead it from here. Awesome. And almost forgot, there, there are toilets, so if you, there are restrooms, if you go through the door on that side, there are men's, men there first, Adam came first, Eve, you're just around the corner, they're at the tree, um, and then if you can't find, there are more restrooms, if you can't find a place to do your thing, you can just ask Ursula there at the back, or somebody with a tag like this, great, thanks Murray. I love that when you pull this up, you were reminded of the toilets. I, I'm not sure why. I'm, <clears throat> I'm not sure how to take that, but it's. <laughs> but I'm glad you did think about it. 
All right, it's so good to be with you and to gather with a group of people who love Jesus and just want to be with him in his presence and in his word. Uh, we're so excited just to, to, to do exactly that, just partner with those people that the Holy Spirit's already marked for prayer and worship and revival and transformation in a city, just believing that God's doing that in an increased and an unusual way across South Africa. And so our team is here uh, from Kansas City uh, and, and really f- from all over uh, a few different places, inc- including South Africa as well, Leah from South Africa. And uh, so, so, so we're just thrilled. And uh, the Ministry 111 is, comes specifically from a prophes- prophecy in the book of Malachi, Verse 1, and uh, chapter 1, verse 11, that says, From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, his name is going to be made great in every place. In every place, his name is going to be made great. And then the incense of our prayer and worship will rise to him in those places. And it's, the, it's, the, it's a picture of the advance of the kingdom, his name being made great everywhere. And then our response to the good news of the gospel is a people everywhere just in the place of worship and in the place of fellowship with him and intimacy. And, and we see that even here now. And because it's a prophecy in the word of God, we can hold to it. And we, go, we know it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. And we see it happening in an increased way. But I know that before Jesus comes back or we see his face, he takes us to be with him. Um, there will be more. And we're believing that for George. It's just such an honor to be with you. We have been here for two and a half months, um, and I just want to say something so special is happening in your nation. And God's eyes are on you. It's, I believe with all my heart, it's a Kairos moment for you where there's time is intersecting promise. Many of you have believed and believed and believed for the promises over your city and over your nation. And I just want to say, I believe with all my heart, he is here among us and he will perform his word. He will do all that he has said. And I, I just believe this is a holy moment. And I, I, I too have a little bit of a tremble um, to, to just, God, what, what are you doing? And I can't believe I'm in this room. Um, we, we just honor you. We, we honor the, the soil in your hearts, I believe, is the best soil. And God is looking upon you with favor right now for such a time as this. So let's just, so let's stand. Are we going back into worship? Is that what, Yeah, so let's go back into worship. Let's stand together. And I just want to, just even as we, even as we worship together, let's, be in the place of expectancy and putting a stake in the ground and going, God, we believe there's going to be worship and prayer in this city that never stops. What would it look like if there were worship and prayer in this city that never stopped? I believe that God can do it. And so let's just, as we worship and as we pray, let's just go, God, we believe it, that what we're doing right now is never going to stop. So Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that you're leading us. Thank you that we can come boldly before your throne this morning and join the worship of heaven. God, we join the worship of heaven. We come now boldly and we lift our voices to sing and to pray and to exalt you, God, that your name would be made great in this place today, God. So we love you. We love you. God, thank you that you've made us Even here today, you've made us the Holy of Holies. We come into the Holy of Holies. We long for your presence just as you long to be with us. We welcome you and you welcome us. We welcome you and you welcome us. You welcome us. We welcome you. Come and dwell with us, Holy Spirit, deep on the inside. It's what you've always wanted. It's all you've ever wanted is a people 
who would say you're welcome here. It's all you've ever wanted. So people who would dwell with you, God. So we thank you for your presence here with us, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Together we just say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. For you've redeemed us by your very own blood. And you've made us kings and priests before God. We thank you. God, we thank you for it. God, we thank you for it. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would manifest your presence even in a greater way as we spend these hours together today. Holy Spirit, manifest your presence. Open up your heart to us. Open up your word to us. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome in our hearts. You're welcome in our churches. You're welcome in this city. You're welcome in South Africa. You're welcome in South Africa, God. Come and dwell here, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. God, we ask that in our hearts and in this city and in this nation, you'd awaken a song that never ends. God, would you awaken a song in us that never ends? God, let it be in South Africa as it is in heaven. God, worship and intercession that never stops. God, awaken a song, awaken a prayer in us that never stops, God. God, we love you. We love your presence. Thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that we were made to worship and made to never stop. And we feel it even now. We don't want to stop. Fountain. That won't run dry. Nothing satisfies God. We ask for a church fully satisfied in you, Jesus. Fully satisfied in you. Yes, God. Overflow, God. Yes, God. Rivers of living water flow through us, God, we ask. Rivers of living water flow through us, God. Jesus, we thank you. Sweetness of your presence that only you satisfy. We love you. We love that you're going to lead us and encounter us in this time together. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oof. It's already worth just being here for that. Just want this. How many of you enjoy a good cup of coffee? Raise your hands. I want to raise them high, raise them proud. There we go. Okay, good. Okay, it's good to hear it. Good to hear that I'm with people of my own kind. <clears throat> you know, uh, there, there's this, as God moves across the planet, stirring a global worship and prayer movement, I believe that as a church, we want to be those people that just, that, that life of worship and prayer is, 
it is it, it just naturally flows out of us. It is the rivers of living water. It's it's not a box we check. It's it's not a spot in our calendar that oh this is where I read the Bible and this is where I pray. Although that's good, that, that's a good place to start. But I want to be in that place where constantly I'm I am. I don't need anybody to remind me to be in the word. I don't need anybody to remind me to live in that place of worship. It's just like, it's this fountain that's overflowing on the inside. And I, I feel that even in this room as you guys, it's like, we could just do that all day long. It's a little bit like what I like to confess, I confess as my coffee addiction but I actually, I don't like to call it an addiction because, uh, I mean, God created the coffee bean, right? And, and I believe that God created the coffee bean really for such a time as this. I mean, I mean it's been, you know, it's been a little known throughout history, but we live in a time where, I mean, the nations of the earth are saying yes to coffee like never before. And South Africa, I say, is one of the greatest. It's, it's like there's coffee shops everywhere. And agreeing with God that I think it's, I mean, I think it's one of those on earth as it is in heaven realities. I, I, I mean, in heaven, they never sleep. So I'm just thinking coffee has something to do with it, right? So, so, so in my life, Deborah never has to remind me to make coffee. Like, there are all kinds of things that, that she needs to remind me of and to make sure that I do on a regular basis. But there's one thing that she never has to remind me of, and it's always my job, and I'm quite faithful to it, quite committed to it, and that is that I make sure that there's coffee that's ready the night before. Because when I get up in the morning, I, I want to I, I I, I be ready for that that. Uh, with expectancy for what God has for me in the word and, and in the coffee. The two go hand in hand. And, and, so, and so, so it's important. You know, like I believe that God, when he created the coffee bean, and it, it was like this is good and it's natural. And he said someday they're going to need it. And someday they're going to roast it, and someday they'll grind it, and they'll pour hot water over it, and it will sustain their life. So, so, so when I come to the reserves and it's also empty, it doesn't matter what time of night it is. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter if I've already brushed my teeth and, and I'm, 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 I'm ready to crawl under the covers. I'm getting up. I'm getting dressed I'm getting out of the house, going somewhere to get coffee. And Deborah doesn't have to tell me to do it. It's just on the inside of me. It moves me. I'm moved by the truth of the glory of coffee. I'm, I'm shaping the way that I see the world, and it moves conviction on the inside of me, and it moves me to action. And friends, I, I'm slightly exaggerating, but I'm telling you, I believe that this is what God wants to do in our hearts as we look at a global worship and prayer movement. That this is not something where I'm like, I've got a box in my calendar that I checked that I prayed for 15 minutes. No, this is a life that I live and I'm constantly stirred by the Holy Spirit to live this reality. And I, I believe it's what Isaiah saw in Isaiah 56 when he said, I'm going to draw all nations to my holy mountain." The place of my presence. I mean, his presence is irresistible, and he's going to draw all of the nations to his holy mountain. He's going to make us joyful in his house, his family that lives in the place of prayer, that lives in the place of fellowship with him. That doesn't sound like a boring prayer meeting to me. That doesn't sound like the least attended meeting in a church. That sounds like the most attended meeting in a church. It sounds like the one that can't stop. It sounds like the one that always is going. I mean, who doesn't want to go to the mountain of God? Who doesn't want to dwell with him there? Who doesn't want to live with him there and live in a family that's living in the presence of God? Constantly in fellowship with him. And, and that's, that's the ache of his heart. And I just, I love that we sang your song today, James. I just believe that's one of the 
I think that's going to be one of the anthems of the global worship movement. I mean, I just feel like what you lay out in that song is so remarkable in the ache that we have to dwell with God and that he has to dwell with us. So we live in that hour. Whoa, nice. So, so we live... We live in that hour on the earth, and I think it's critical that we understand that. It's critical that we understand that what we're seeing is not just, hey, let's add a little, uh, let's add a little more prayer to the church. This is not the next seeker movement that's going to kind of fade out in the next 20 years. This is a move of God that's prophesied throughout the scripture and is fueled by the very zeal of God that it would be on the earth as it is in heaven. This is, and if we don't understand that, we'll give it a little bit of attention. But if we understand that all of the scripture talks about the moment in history that we're living in, we'll give it more attention. We'll have a little more of our attention. And I believe we live in that hour that Isaiah prophesies about where his church will be a house of prayer for all nations. It, it's what Jesus quoted as he, as he came into the temple. What was he thinking when he came into the temple that day after the triumphal entry? They wanted to crown him king, but what he wanted was their heart. And he comes into the temple, and he's in the court of the Gentiles, which is the place that prophetically was supposed to say, all the nations can come and work, worship the God of Israel. And they've, they've corrupted it with religion. They've corrupted the court of the Gentiles with religion, with going through the motions, with the, with the business of religion. And he's going, no, this was never about the business of religion. This was about my presence. This was about my power. This was about my glory. This was, I want to be with you. And you've made it about religion. You've made it about buying and selling and, and you're doing, no, and, and, and you're trying to figure out where does that zeal come from that causes God in the flesh to tip over tables and pull out a whip. Completely uncharacteristically, Jesus, unless you understand that that's primarily why he came. He was about to go to the cross for you and me to sing the song, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. It's an open, this house is yours. It's an open door. Couldn't have happened without the cross. Couldn't have happened. We couldn't have sung the song. He was about to go to the cross so we could sing this song one day. And all they were busy doing was religion. And friends, this is not an hour for religion. This is an hour for the power and the presence of God and the church to take its place as a house of prayer for all nations. And so this is the story of God. And all of us are drawn. I'm, I'm assuming that you're in the room on a Wednesday because God has marked you by the Holy Spirit for a global worship and prayer movement. And all of us have been drawn into the room because the Lord has spoken to us over years He's whispered little promises and little aches and longings on the inside of us that we would be a people that live in his presence, that we would be a people that dwell with him. And our story is caught up into his bigger story. Each one of us carry a little story that the Holy Spirit is leading us together. He's drawing us together from every place into that bigger story. And that's why we're here in the room. And we just want to share just a moment of our story so that you just go, oh, I have a story that leads me into his story. That, that's it. You have a story that leads you into his story. How many of you open up the Bible at times and go, I, I wanted to live in that time. Like, I, wanted, I want to live in the pages of the Bible. Friends, I believe we still have that opportunity. Meaning, I know the Bible's done being written, but there are still years we, we still have, there's still many things prophesied that are yet to come, and we still live in those pages. We can live like that today, friends. I believe that the door is open for us to live in the pages of Scripture today. Not just, not just looking on from a distance, but intimately a part of the story of God. And that's ultimately where he's leading us in all of our all of our little whispers and dreams and prayer time. And when he speaks to us in the word, he's leading us together into his heart. And, and he's done that to us as well.
Hi. It truly is such an honor to be with you. I'm just looking at your faces, and I just, as we even were singing that song, I just was like, these are the honored guests that God has brought to his table. And I just was literally seeing him just serve each one of you, bring you to his table. And so when I say it's an honor to be with you, I, I, I have a tremble in my heart of how he's chosen you for such a time. So yes, the story of God, and we want to share a little bit of our story, but it's, it's actually what I've, in the few decades I've been in the prayer movement, I, I find that every day I need to be renewed in God's story. That is actually how I can sustain my life in God, my relationship with God, my prayer, my worship, is to every day get just caught up again, fascinated again with his story and specifically where his story is going. Where is this headed? What are we a part of? We, there's a finale to his story and we're going to talk a little bit about that today and we get to get caught up with the finale but as we do that, he like sets us in to his story. He, he's written us into his story and we get to see our part to play and, and feel the weighty responsibility and the glory and the honor of what he's doing today in George. So we want to just share a little bit. So I'll go back a little bit in time. Um, my dad said to us kids, when we would choose a university in a city to first find the spiritual family that we wanted to be a part of, and then find a university in that town. And so we got to know Mike Bickle in the late 80s, and he is the founder of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, in which 22 years there has been going worship and prayer, and it has not stopped. And so we got to know this guy. Well, as a 12-year-old, I went to hear him speak, and he was speaking on the life of David. And I remember just weeping, going, that's the Jesus I know. He, he spoke the language of my heart in a way that when I was choosing where I wanted to go um, after I had done a DTS with YWAM, I chose Kansas City um, so I could be a part of this spiritual family. And so when I went to Kansas City, it was 1996, and um, I had just done a, um, an outreach in Eastern Europe. It was war-torn Eastern Europe, and as an 18-year-old, I said to Jesus, Jesus, there's got to be more to missions. I, I know you a little bit. I love you insanely, but I don't know how to bring you to the people or bring the people to you. There's got to be more to missions. So God had awakened me with so much hunger. I arrived in Kansas City and he began to take my breath away. It was a holy ambush of God. I began dreaming almost every night, and he started to awaken my heart to what he was going to do in his church before Jesus returned. What is the victorious church going to look like? And so I would, I mean, I was just like, all I had to do was go to sleep, and I was that spoiled brat where he would like literally give me revelation in the night, open up scripture. I started studying. There's about 150 passages that talk about what the church looks like, the victorious church before Jesus returns. And it just, I just started, it was like Christianity went from black and white to full of color. I was like, what? The end of this story? Are you kidding me? And, and the, the culmination of human history is just the beginning of the age to come. And so he started to just ruin me with these eternal truths, the beauty of who he is, the beauty of, of, of his church. And it, just, it was just breathtaking. And um, as this was happening, the Lord spoke to Mike Bickle and said, it's time to start the house of prayer. We're going to go 24-7 in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. <laughs> and, and friends, I don't know, but I'm talking like 20-something years ago, it was like I'm thinking of a prayer meeting. And at that point, we called them rock pile prayer meetings. Uh, there was no music, no worship. And, you know, honestly, I just I have to say, it was just like I just felt like it was old ladies that were cranky, that were the intercessors. And I'm like... 
Jesus, how are you going to make prayer and worship enjoyable? Right now, I mean, maybe the old people, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm in my youth and I'm like, right now the youth are so excited with the world and so bored with God. How are you going to do this? And so, again, I was seeing how he was going to awaken his church through the beauty of who he is. And the beauty that he possesses is the beauty that he imparts. And it it was, oh, we're going to be fascinated. We're going to be exhilarated. And friends, here it is just just 20-something years later and all over the earth, the Holy Spirit is awakening a prayer and worship movement. We are fascinated with God. What a statement. We, we, we can only worship. I mean, we're worshiping as a response to what we see. He's answering our prayer. He's anointing our eyes to behold. What? What? I mean, even coming into the Holy of Holies, we're singing those words today, but I know what was going on a little bit in your spirit, man. What were you seeing? What were you seeing? Were you seeing a man seated on a throne? The father seated? Were you seeing a sea of glass mingled with flaming fire? Were you seeing a river of fire proceeding from the throne? Torches whirling around? The emerald rainbow around his throne? We, we have eyes to see. It's, it's stunning. So I was dreaming a lot. Now God says it's time to start the house of prayer. I begin going to the library, every library in the city of Kansas City to find anything I can on the revelation of Jesus as the bridegroom, as the king, as the judge, John the Baptist, prayer, worship, the movements that have gone before us, the Moravians, the tabernacle of David, fasting. I was just searching out all of these things going, God, I don't know what you're gonna do, but but we gotta get ready. (laughs) And and then it came May uh, May 7th, 1999, where we started the house of prayer. And it was just this ugly building <laughs> that was, um, I don't know how big it was, but not. A quarter the size of this. They room. literally took five trailers and put them together to make, anyway. And then we had this great idea, and I don't need to go into the details, but we had this great idea, it wasn't mine, that we would put cushion underneath the carpet so that it would be nice to kneel. Well, you guys, when you go 24-7, the stench of this carpet was terrible. And, and, and the, the humidity would cause it to come up off the, the floor. So then we started um, duct taping it to the ground. And then that didn't work. So we started literally, um, we'd get nails and we would nail things to the ground. So we always would joke that it was like the seraphim around the throne, that we would go too much beauty, too much beauty, and we'd fall to the floor. And the stench of the carpet would bring us right back up. <laughs> never enough, never enough. Oh! Okay, anyway, um, so we've been going a little bit, and um, I, I, this new guy arrives, and his name is Murray, and I, that's about all that I knew, and in my total, okay, wait, you have to know this about me, I was a complete and total nun, and I had a, a convent, and I was laser beam focused on Jesus. I lost all social graces in this time. I just would, on, the only social activity that I did was Bible studies, prayer meetings, and church. And, 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 and literally, I was so, I mean, you can tell I'm intense. Those years, I'm sorry, like, whoa. I, I, I didn't know how to have a conversation with a person, just Jesus, you know, I, it was bad. And, um, and so, when the new guy arrives, you know, we're small, so everybody knows, and I'm not going to be, in my total arrogance, I'm not going to be that girl that's going to go introduce herself to Murray. So I, you know, we hadn't even talked yet, and, and then I have this dream. And in the dream, Murray comes up to me, and he takes my hand, and he says, hi, my name is Murray, and I will be with you on this journey. And we began going to the nations of the earth. And friends, I just can't even describe. There was these prayer houses. I didn't know what to call them. Worship centers. But in every different language, in all of the creativity of the arts and all of the sounds of the nations, 
it was this, this the, the world was just full of the glory of God. It was like this electric glory of God, this global concert of praise and worship. It was just the most epic thing I had ever witnessed in a dream as we were just going from nation to nation, seeing what God was doing as he was raising up this worship and prayer that was not um, stopping in all, in all of the earth. So I wake up from this dream and um, it was probably like the next day or so. And Mike, uh, at this point in time, I was overseeing the prayer room. And so Mike says, Deborah, um, there's this new guy. His name's Murray. Uh, will you go get him? I, he's like a big time worship leader in Minneapolis. And at this point in time, I mean, if you could fog a mirror, you could sing on a mic. Uh, and, and so it was like, Which whoa. describes to you what then big time worship leader means. He, actu okay. he actually was, but, but seriously. But we, we didn't, I mean, this was like, whoa, caliber, like Murray was, okay. Anyway, so he says, will you go get Murray? And so it's a small building. Sure, I can find Murray. Hi, Murray. Mike Bickle wants to talk to you. So I bring him to Mike's office, which was kind of like a janitor's closet. And, um... It was like a really big personality, really small space, like awkward space, like nose to nose, knees to knees, you know, ah! And, and, and Mike begins to like roll out the red carpet, which I don't know what that really means because we didn't pay anybody, you didn't get a salary, you didn't get nothing. But, but anyway, but he, he just starts talking about the prophetic history and why we're going 24 seven and all that God has spoken. And it was, you know, I'm, being exhilarated as I'm listening to this story, and it was like amazing. And at the end of this story, he says, so Murray, will you be a worship leader here? And, and Murray, I can just remember, he, he's just, he's kind of sitting back, and he's very confident, very gracious, and he says, no. And I think to myself, who tells Mike Bickle no? But I like this guy. Like, he's got something going on that he can just, I mean, he didn't even give an explanation. He just says, no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm sure I said no, thank you. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I did. So we leave Mike's office, and now we're going to have our first conversation. <laughs> I don't even know where to pick that story up. I, I, so, so, yeah, so we leave that conversation, and we're leaving Mike's janitor's office and and we're headed down a hallway that's like from here to the sound booth and so it's just it's our first time like in a hallway by ourselves <laughs> and so it's it's just me and Deborah and of course it's quiet so we've never talked and I I'm so I think well I should strike up a conversation normally I think I'm pretty good at that this time not as much and so I say to Deborah, I say, so Deborah, will you be in Kansas City the rest of your life? <laughs> That's a big question for a very short hallway. <clears throat> and so she responds, she responds and says, well, I'll be based here, but travel back and forth to the nations. That's a big statement, right? And, and, I, and I think it had a little bit to do with the dream that she had about me, which, by the way, you cannot make that happen, right? I, I could not make that happen. So, so she says that. Now, I, I have to interject because I'm about to make a horrible fool of myself. But I, you have to know, like, so Deborah was like a nun. Like, she was living, she wasn't a nun, literally, but she was like, like, that's the kind of life she was living. And I loved Jesus, I loved worship, and I loved his people, and I like to be with them all the time and have a really good time. Like, I like, 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 where is the next bride? Like, that's what I wanted to know. Like, tell me, tell me when everyone's getting together for food, because I will be there, all right? So, so, so that was, that was me. So, so, so Deborah says that, and, and, oh, one other thing you have to know. When I moved to Kansas City, the Lord spoke to me, it just a still small voice. And he just said, your move to Kansas City is about worship and the nations. And I knew very little at the time. I just knew that I, I, th I think we're going to start, I, I, at that point in time, we're going to start a ministry that trains singers and musicians and sends them to the nations. That's what I wanted to do. 
And I'd, I didn't know about the house of prayer. I, I didn't know about night and day prayer. I, just, I, I knew a little bit about intimacy with Jesus and, and a little bit of passion for Jesus. I knew a little bit. So that was, the, that was the dream in my heart. So when Deborah says, well, I'll be based here, but travel back and forth to the nations, the unction of the Holy Spirit comes upon me. In power. One of those rare moments in my life where I do not have control of my tongue. <clears throat> so Deborah says, I'll be based here, but travel back and forth to the nations. And I say, oh, sorry. It's still, I'm sorry, it's still hard to say. Uh, so Deborah says, I'll be based here, <laughs> but travel back and forth to the nations. And I say, yeah, baby. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> I literally did. <clears throat> and I, and I'm, I, I, still get, I still get humiliated when I say that. I was like, I'm like, and I go like, I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't, I, I don't normally say that. Um, I don't know why I said that. And then we're saved. We're literally saved by the door to the prayer room. And Deborah goes to one side and I go to the other and I'm like, I'm going to have to move. Like, this is, I've just told, I've just told the person who leads the prayer room, yeah, baby. And she's a nun. <laughs> but, so, but clearly it worked out okay. I mean, it's like, so if yeah, baby works, I mean, go for it. Guys, if you need a line, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we can, we can go a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to just briefly talk about God's story, the eternal story. And I just want us to think about what was going on before creation, before Genesis 1, before the foundations of the world, what was going on? We as human beings, we need to know the why behind the what. What was in God's heart? I mean, we can't even get our minds around it. I'm going to trip on this. From everlasting, there's been God. We can't, we're so in time that we can't think about what was going on between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before they created. Because that will give us the why they wrote this story. What were they thinking about? What were they imagining? I mean, you think about how creative is God? <laughs> when he goes to write a story, how infinite is he in his wisdom he's going to write a story he can write anything there's a blank canvas what is he going to do he can do anything and so I just imagine a conversation between the father and the son and and this is a made-up conversation it is informed by the word but I just imagine the father saying to the son son wait a second, just think about how much do I love you? When we see the high priestly prayer in John 17 about the father who loves the son, the son who loves the father, how much, when God himself describes himself as love, how much does the father love the son? How much does the son love the father? It's just this holy love affair that's been going on from everlasting. And so he says, son, let's write a story. And at the end of this story, at the culmination, I'm going to give you a prize. I'm going to think up the best thing I could possibly think up to give you on the final day to show how much I love you. This is going to be good, right? <laughs> He's infinite in his creativity, in his wisdom. He knows his son. What is he going to do to answer the desire in the son, to give the son the greatest gift he could possibly think of, the greatest treasure? And so I, I just 
Think of the father and his bright countenance going, son, I have it. We will create human beings in our own image. And I just, I see Philippians 2, at your name, I will give you the highest name Every knee will bow before you. I will give you the allegiance of the human race. I will give you mandatory obedience. Whoa, I love this. And then I I imagine the father going, wait, and not that the father needs time to think, but we need time to think. So I'm adding to the story. So the father says, no, wait, let's give them a free will. So that they won't just have to fall because I told them to at your feet. They won't just willfully obey. We will give them a free will where they will have to choose you. And not just choose to obey, but choose whom they will give their affection to. Day in and day out, they will choose to give you their affection. Oh, son, I, I love this. And I, I just think he's looking at it and he's like, oh, wow, voluntary lovers from every tongue and tribe and nation. Oh, this is so good. Wait, son, let's, let's give them a context called the age of faith. Because to see you is to love you. To see you is to want to give them you, their affection. But in the age of faith, there's going to be this wisdom in loving you before their eyes behold. Giving you their affection day in and day out when they haven't even seen you in all of your glory. They haven't even seen you in your beauty. The seraphim who are still gazing fall and tremble. Holy, 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 transcendent beauty, transcendent beauty. But these human beings in the age of faith will choose to give you their affection before they see you. You know, I I just think of poor Thomas, because we call him Doubting Thomas. But in John 20, when Jesus says, "Bless," he's showing Thomas his nail-pierced hands, blessed is he who believes before they see. Blessed is he who loves me before they've seen me. And then I imagine the father saying, let's add one more thing. Let's give them an adversary. Let's give them an enemy. Revelation 12 says that the accuser of the brethren accuses us day and night, night and day. And not only does he accuse us, but he accuses God. Father says, in the presence of an adversary, love will be beautified. In the presence of all the counterfeit seduction, all of the things the world can offer, she is going to choose to resist the accusation, resist the counterfeit, resist the seduction. Resist the lie and lay hold of truth. The truth of my beauty. The truth of her beauty before me. Day in and day out. Love will be beautified in the presence of an adversary. In the age of faith with a free will. I will make you a bride. A suitable companion. To rule and reign with you forever. And in this time, while she's on the earth, this is boot camp. This is where she's getting tested, tried, and proved, and made ready for you, my son. On the final day, I will give you a bride made ready to marry you. And then to rule and reign with you for all of the age to come. Son, In my infinite wisdom and creativity, this is what I've thought up. Now let's create. Let Genesis 1 begin. Amen.
Yeah, let's do that. Uh, this, is, this is the heart of John 17 when Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they would be with me or with us. That, that was, that's where this story started. You have to understand your story started in the heart of God. Your life, your story, everything that he's perfectly leading you through started in the heart of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in this holy love affair. And they, I mean, before the foundation of the earth, that's what the Bible says, they saw you. Before the foundation of the earth, they called you. They knew this moment That's where this story was birthed in. If we see that our story is just a random set of circumstances and God is somewhat distant from our lives, we will live distant. But if we see that in the heart of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he actually drew us into his story. He created, he made, he formed, he drew us together. This is so much bigger than you and me. Your story is caught up into his story, and he's leading you perfectly. And we want to walk through, it's for a little bit longer this morning, just that story. Because if I can tie myself into that story, then all of the, the small things of my life begin to make sense. I mean, let's confess it. Like our lives, we just live kind of small lives every day. feels that way. Unless you understand that Every small day that you live is tied up into a very big story of God. Makes all the difference in the world. So, we're going to open up the word. Kind of, we're going we're gonna to cover Genesis through Revelation this morning. No big, no big deal. And tie ourselves into the story of God so that there's a fire of conviction burning on the inside of us that comes from that Father. I, we want to feel the Father I desire. Peace. Because your story was birthed in his desire. It wasn't a random set of circumstances. It was birthed in this fiery desire of God that he would have a people with him. So I'm just going to pray. We're going to pause for a moment. So Jesus, we ask for, we, we just agree with the prayer of Jesus that we would be one as you are one, that you would catch us up into your heart, God, today. This isn't a program. This isn't an event. God, this is, this is the zeal of your heart that it would be on the earth as it is in heaven. That you would have a people who look like you, sound like you, who are righteous like you are righteous. That you would have a church from every tribe and tongue, pure, spotless. So God, we, we just want to say yes to that ache in your heart. We thank you for it. Amen. All right, we're going to take a 15-minute break. Is that correct? There is, yes, coffee. I was feeling it, and so, yes, I I think there is. Yes, there's a break. Okay, 15 minutes. We'll come back at 10.35. See you in a bit.